Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by the incredible Madeline Black. Madeline is an absolutely inspiring individual. Not only has she recently carried out a TEDx talk up in Glasgow, which I'm sure is going to go down an absolute storm. Very, very thought provoking if you haven't seen it. But she's also a trained psychotherapist and has had many, many years worth of experience working with individuals from all walks of life. Everything from executives through to individuals looking for help in their personal lives. She's a real advocate of diversity and inclusion and a real humanist. And so I'm delighted to welcome her to the show today to join us and to share with us a little bit more about her personal story. Welcome to the show today, Madeline. Thank you so much, Leila. Lovely to be here with you. Thanks so much for joining us. And Madeline, obviously you've had some incredible experience, but most notably some of the really quite traumatic experiences that you experienced when you were younger, that you have now been brave enough to actually share out in the open on the TED stage and obviously through your many other facets of work, including the book. It would be great if you could, for those of our listeners who, who perhaps haven't heard of you, if you could just share a little bit about what you've been doing recently so we can all get up to speed and find out more about you and, and get under the surface of some of these really crucial topics. Sure. Well, I first shared my story nearly five years ago online with an organization called The Forgiveness Project. And everything after that has just opened so many doors, which I never really imagined. I never thought I would be a speaker or write a book. But since I shared my story, I was just invited to speak and, and share it. So I've just, of about two months ago, I've just stopped being a psychotherapist and I'm going to focus on speaking. Um, I decided if this was meant to be my career path or this is meant to be my purpose in life, then I'd like a sign. So I woke up on January the 1st with an invitation to speak in South Africa and on January the 5th with an invitation to speak in the Maldives. And I thought, okay, that's a good sign. I will take that. So I'm focusing on speaking out now. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. And I would love, if it's okay with you, for you just to share in brief, I don't want to spoil what was one of the most captivating TED Talks that I have seen, but it would be great if you could just, in your own words, explain a little to our listeners about some of the features within the TED Talk. So in my TEDx, it was, it was very hard because it was only 10 minutes. If I do a keynote, it's 45 minutes. So, you know, I've got a lot of story to squeeze into this little space. But my story is one of sexual violence. I was gang raped when I was 13. And many, many years later, I chose to forgive the two men who gang raped me. And standing on that stage in front of 2,000 people, which is by far my biggest audience, I think I've maybe spoken to 300 max, was a way for me to reclaim my power, to 
shatter any shame that I had left, but to also help shatter the shame and the stigma and the silence for other people and to help them find their voice. You know, Brenny Brown says that um, shame derives its power from being unspeakable, which is why I called it speaking the unspeakable. It was so heartfelt. I mean, honestly, I watched that TED talk and I actually, I had tears in my eyes because you just sounded so incredibly confident, incredibly articulate, and you could see how moved, not only of course you were, but also the audience. And I think you must have left those 3,000 people and everyone else who watches online really with a sense of those questions that that you had asked back again and and made them actually think about who they can possibly forgive or what they can let go as you said i've had amazing feedback but yesterday was incredible because after my talk i was contacted by a head teacher from a local high school and he had some students with him and three minutes after i had finished speaking one of his students disclosed to her teacher who was there that she had been raped three years ago. And and yesterday I went to meet her at school and she had never told anybody. It's now being investigated by the police and hopefully this man will be charged. Sadly, it's quite unlikely, but hopefully something will happen. But she's now found her voice. And I just think, well, if I was just there to reach that one woman, that one young woman, then that's my job done. But, But it also, it gives me the evidence that there is so much power that comes when we share our stories. Marina, who is the founder from the Forgiveness Project, where I first shared my story, she calls us story healers rather than storytellers. And I just feel that over and over and over again. Absolutely. And I think it's really fascinating what you're saying there. What is essentially about this shame that we may feel from something in our past and really having the braveness and the courage to be able to to share that vulnerability with others. Actually, this story of this young girl at school coming to you um, and saying this has happened to her, it's purely because she's felt your vulnerability and she's felt that power and that confidence to then do it herself. And, you know, I guess that's something that I'm really keen to explore with you today. And of course, you'll know far more about it than than I will being a psychotherapist. But what is the, you know, what is the the mindset behind sharing and people's vulnerability that really does allow others to kind of then speak out and find their voice and have this confidence? I think it's like um, how Dr. Blasey Ford said when she was sharing her story in America when she accused the Senate senator that she said that she hopes her bravery is courageous. And, you know, it was somebody else speaking out that helped me to find my voice, and I just really intend to pay that forward. I think if we see someone that not only can stand there and, and share what people would say is unshareable, but also to see me that, yes, I did get a bit emotional at the end. I thought I was going to lose it, but I was fine. But to show that she looks okay. She looks like she went on and met a lovely guy and had three kids and is living a good life and loving life. It, I want to inspire hope. I want people to know, yes, it was an awful part of my life and I didn't get here overnight. It has been a process, but it is very, very, very possible to heal and have a great life. And we can get past anything that happens to us if we choose to. 
And talk to me a little a bit about your, your younger self when you, when you were making some of these career choices. You obviously went into a career of psychotherapy, which clearly that has manifested itself in you doing all these wonderful things now. Was that premeditated because of what happened? How did that develop you into the person that you are today? Yeah, it's interesting. People do make that connection, but actually it was nothing to do with that. It was more to do with my father. Really? Um, so he was a Holocaust survivor, my dad. His parents, his brothers and sisters, his youngest brother, Mordechai, was just six. They were all gassed and they died in Auschwitz or murdered. And my dad met my mum, who wasn't Jewish. Uh, she converted. And they had five of us. And my dad, if you met him, you would never, ever know what he had been through. He said, life is for living. And he loved life. And then he had his sister who survived, my auntie Eva, chronic schizophrenia, agoraphobic, OCD. And I was always so interested in how two people can have a similar experience and come out so different. And that always made me wonder what is in his makeup and what is in my aunt's makeup that she couldn't do what he did. So that always fascinated me. And that still does if I work, say, for example, with two clients that have just lost their fathers, one will be heartbroken. They'll say they'll never get over it. And one can say, I'm just so grateful that that was my father. You know, it's just our attitude or where we put our attention to me is always fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating, especially when two people have been through such an incredibly similar experience that they can feel so incredibly differently. But I guess that is what makes us human beings, that we all have our completely and utterly different emotions and our ways to react to things. Yeah. It's, 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 really, it's really interesting finding those you know, those almost those unique idiosyncrasies that each yeah. and every person has that makes them who they are. And I guess it's, you know, what you're describing and what you've clearly done in your past is really how you've managed to coax these feelings and how, you know, these these actions have almost manifested them, the, 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 the feelings, sorry, have manifested themselves in, in people's different actions. Yeah, I mean, it's been... 40 years for me it's been a long time and as i said i didn't get here overnight it's been a process uh, if you met me 10 15 years ago i'd be very different to how i am now but it's it's really like a big onion just shedding another layer and shedding another layer and then another layer and you think you're okay for a few years and then there's another layer and another layer so it's uh, i guess it's a continuous kind of thing to personally develop or to keep growing and expanding and I think that's a really important point that you make because I think there's a lot of people out there feeling that they need to be constantly achieving or thinking about the next thing all the time. Actually, what you're describing is almost like this organic growth and evolving nature that you have been through and that has led you where you are today, um, mm. quite naturally almost. Yeah, I don't want to sound flippant when I say, you know, we can all choose to get past something. I obviously had to work the trauma from my mind and from my body, and that was not an easy process. But once we have cleaned up the trauma, is what I used to call it, my cleaning up job, then I saw that I have a choice. I could fall back into it when I was aware of what my patterns were and my habits, or I could choose to stand in it and do it differently. And what would you say to, to our listeners who are tuning in today either on YouTube or, or listening to the podcast, if they're having something which is particularly difficult in their life or they've buried something 
deep inside themselves that they have been too frightened or too nervous to speak to anyone about, what would you say to them? What kind of advice might you be able to impart that could be beneficial? I would say that it's never, ever, ever too late to find your voice. Um, find someone that you really trust. It doesn't have to be a therapist, but find someone. And if you can't find anyone, just tell yourself your story, write it down. I, I first really was advised, I'd say in about 2010, by a teacher that I've been going to for many years. He's like a teacher of life, or you would call him a shaman. And Imaho suggested to me, it'd be a really good idea to write my story down. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to let you read it or anyone read it. And I stopped and started this process and it took me four years. But at the end of the four years, I literally was an automatic and these 12 pages of all the details came out. So I don't think any of this would have happened if I hadn't written down my story. Because I think when we hold on to stuff internally, we're holding on to it with all the energy attached to it. You know, when we can speak about it, we give it oxygen and it can shift things, it can move and it doesn't occupy so much space inside. You know, before, it's all I thought about. It affected and influenced everything. You know, could I put the rubbish out if it was dark, if Stephen was away? No, because it was at the end of the garden. Could I drive about putting the buttons down in my car? No. So, yeah, it's it's uh, important to realize it's a journey. It's um, it's not an overnight fix, but it's very possible. But to, to be listened to, to be heard and to be believed, I think there's nothing nothing more empowering than that and i don't uh, you know expect people to stand on the stage like i did and share my story but to tell your story is so important to find someone to share it with that makes absolute sense and i really love the way that you describe that piece about when you speak with someone or when you share something actually you're giving yourself oxygen i've never heard that mm -hmm. be described in such a way and i think that's such an interesting point to be able to take away and I think especially for, you know, the world of, of, of business as well, um, it's really great to see that there's a lot more talk about humanity within business, the humanistic side of actually allowing leaders to be themselves and to open up and everything like this. I think especially in a work environment, it's very, very difficult to necessarily feel you can open up because these are people that you are working with. But more and more so now, there is a lot of research, and I'm sure you've seen it as a psychotherapist, that says people do so much better. People are so much more motivated. They do so much better at work when they're actually being their true selves and they really are Absolutely. opening so up. It's fake, isn't it? And you, it's a it's an act. It's not it's not really genuine, and that's that takes effort to keep that mask up, that pretense. So yeah, of course, if you can shift anything that's going to help you be more you or more of you turn up, then yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter if it's your business life or your personal life. It's just life. <laughs> Indeed, it is just life. And that is the thing, you know, everything makes up the life. And I think historically, there has been such a almost a divide between this is work and this is personal. I think especially those who own their own businesses or run their own businesses or who are they're very passionate about what they do because ultimately you spend more time at work than you often do with your loved ones and so actually it really should just be life and wouldn't it be great if we could go to work and be exactly the same almost as we as we are at home now what are your thoughts on 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 that being a work self a home self 
being a full self kind well, of I'm thing. I'm lucky because my, my work self is my home self. But I think, I mean, I haven't worked in a work environment for a long time, but uh, I would much prefer a heartfelt, genuine boss than someone that's really tough and hard and unapproachable. I'm sure most people would. And I imagine if you have happy workers that feel really like they love their job, you're going to be more productive anyway. They'll want to stay there and work. So it kind of makes sense, really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think when leaders are able to, and I really hope as well that, that, that many people listen to this podcast and think, wow, how brave to stand up in front of all those people and actually be vulnerable. That is what leaders are doing day in, day out. And I think those that are willing and able to be brave and actually share some of their personal selves and share some of these personal stories that really might not even be that related to business, the more so people will feel that intrinsic connection with them. Now, we've never met one another up until up until now, face to face in virtual reality that is over over the internet. But having watched your TED talk, and having read about you and having the wonders of LinkedIn, things like that, I almost feel like I kind of know you a bit already. And that is because it's those personal stories that you feel like you're, you know, you almost feel like you're in the inner circle because you're learning about things that you never would have learned about before. You feel that that would be someone that you know really, really well to be sharing these kind of personal episodes of your life. You know, I totally get that. And it's amazing, you know, just when you meet online, you can make genuine connections because now that we're chatting, it's like, oh, I've always known Layla. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love the power of social media. It's brilliant. And I think that is brilliant. And, you know, on to the subject of social media, actually, it's be fascinating to speak about. I know people do give it quite a hard time, social media. Yes, I, we are spending probably far too much time on our devices oh, and yes. your, your, your girls probably spending too much time on social media and watching YouTube, Netflix, whatever it might be, which is all fantastic and well and good, but you kind of don't have the opportunity to get to know people like you also do with social media without it. You don't have the opportunity to connect in ways that you might never have done 10, 20 years ago. So I think it does have its huge plus points as well. Absolutely. I mean, just after my book came out about two and a half years ago, the six characters hashtag me too also came out. So that allowed me to make these connections with Rose McGowan, Rosanna Arquette, all these Hollywood actresses that now share my post or comment with me or I've met in real life and you think there's no way I would have the opportunity years ago to meet with these people but it's it's really like an army of support as well especially when we're kind of activists and we're all fighting the same cause when I met Rose it was at Edinburgh Book Festival last year it wasn't because she was a famous Hollywood actress in the meeting it was just two survivors that just understood each other she was just another woman to me but uh yeah but i never have had the opportunity about social media wow that's incredible and tell me and all of our listeners who are tuning in a little bit about some of the reactions that you've had and about some of the contact that you've had because i think that's so inspiring to hear that everyone from every walk of life really you know whether they be hollywood actors whether they be girls who are at school who have been too scared to come forward that they're actually now coming together and really 
speaking about yes. such critical issues. So many different types of reactions. So a couple of men that were there on the day, I did a, a book signing at lunch and we did speaker's corner at the end of the day, told me that his sisters had all been in domestic abuse situations and he really thanked me for speaking out against violence. Or people will message me and say, gosh, if you can let go of all that, I can let go of being angry at my boss because he didn't pay my holiday pay. Or, you know, I think what I've noticed over the years from the many different ways that I've shared is that people will resonate in my story with where they're at. You know, whatever's going on for them, everybody will reflect or resonate in a completely different way. And to me, that's the interesting part to see where it lands and people or where it hits them. So, yes, so many different types of responses. Most people tell me I'm brave and which I understand, but I wish I wasn't considered brave. I wish it was normal that we could stand there and share our most intimate secrets without the fear of being judged or concerns that people will look at us differently as if by somehow what happened was a reflection of me. So I wish that wasn't the case, that it was considered brave or courageous and that maybe one day this will be normal, that it's really okay to speak the unspeakable. I think that's such a lovely way to, to come to a close for today's podcast. But I would like to just ask, without spoiling the TED Talk too much, whether you might be able to just ask those or a couple of questions that perhaps our audience could take away with them for today. Because I've been really inspired by listening to all of the work that you've done. And I think it's also so relevant to diversity and inclusion because ultimately you are describing, you know, how different the experiences that you are and that actually we really, all, we really, I'm getting tongue tied now. We really all should be inclusive in our behaviors and we really should be collaborative and we really should be sharing because that is and at sadly, the heart of everyone and, and sexual abuse doesn't know any boundaries it doesn't care about gender or race or religion it happens to anyone whatever your status color whatever it's, it's it doesn't know any boundaries it happens all over the planet every day somewhere to someone um so a couple of questions i will leave i guess the very first questions that i started with you know, what are you, well, how, how did I start it now? <laughs> is there something holding you back? So I believe when we don't find our voice, we're not standing in our power, that uh, it holds part of us back. And at the very end, I, I asked, could you let go? Because when we let it go, and letting go comes with accepting, knowing that whatever happened, you now have no power to change it whatsoever. So you have to accept everything. Even though it was horrible, I have to accept it because when, I didn't accept it, I was caught in denial and denial was actually then causing me more distress than the memories and the pictures themselves when they decided to come back. So can you just accept things for what they are and just let it go? Very powerful indeed. Thank you so much, Madeline, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I've learned a huge amount today. I really hope for those that are listening in at home or whether you're listening at home or whether you're listening at work, if you've got something inside, um, you know, perhaps do try and share it with someone else. I hope that you've been just as inspired as I have been listening to the podcast today with Madeline. I would encourage you to go and have a listen to her TED talk as well. You can find that online. You can also find Madeline on LinkedIn. I will put all the show notes into uh, for today's episode at the end of today's show into the into the show notes on on www.dialglobal.org 
and I'll put all of Madeline's information there so you can connect with her directly. So thank you very much, Madeline, for, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you're going to have some fantastic feedback as well on those TED Talks. Please do feel free to reach out if you've been affected by anything at all that we've spoken about today. And my name is Leila McKenzie. You've been listening to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast, with you every week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or your favorite podcast channel. You can also find us now on YouTube as well under Dial Global. Look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Thanks for now. Mm-hmm.